Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 41, After the Move, recorded in three parts on October 10th, 2015, October 19th, 2015, and December 7th, 2015. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hello. How are you? Actually, I'm trying to get over a cold. I know you are. Poor mom is sick. Um, and so if you hear a delightful throat lozenge going on, we're going to blame you on. Well, actually, that, you right? instructed me to have it in my mouth, so Well, I thought it was fault. better than some of the throat clearing. And what anyway. is the point of you moving here if, if you don't show up at my door with chicken soup? In fact, I believe the way it worked is I showed up at your door and you had chicken soup. Well, vegetable soup for me. There you go, you see. I know, it's a pretty sweet life. Uh, anyway, I want to start with some listener mail. So Carol wrote after our last podcast, and she said, another great podcast. Thank you, Carol. Um, I especially enjoyed the discussion on having different reasons for going. She's talking about going to museums. I had my four-year-old granddaughter look for dogs in the University of Michigan collection. She discovered things I hadn't. She also found a sculpture that had lost its leg, she felt, and we spent time looking for it, which I assume is the leg. So no luck. She's now eight, and I'm looking forward to taking her to the museum at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. They moved and seeing what she discovers there. I also had a great discussion with my husband as to why he didn't like a certain piece. He didn't know, and we talked through it always have a why for an opinion. Thanks for your insights and your technique sharing. That's a great letter. I thought it was a fantastic letter. And I mean, for so many reasons, one of which is, um, you know, I love the idea that you find something to interest, whether it's a child or another person, you know, whatever it is that they like or don't like. And then the idea that the kid felt that the dog had lost its leg and they had to go find it. It's just, that's a wonderful notion. I actually remember sometimes that I would go to, uh, like a craft fair or a museum or something when I was smaller and didn't appreciate it. And Matthew was my brother and I had, obviously, you know that mom, but for people who don't. <laughs> well, that's who that is. That's who that is. Had a game where we would try to find the ugliest thing and it would keep us occupied so that we didn't get bored. What's the ugliest thing here? Wow, I wish I could play. I know. Um, and you can play now if you'd like. <laughs> Anyway, but what I was going to say is I do also really like her point about always having a why for an opinion. No, I think that is one of your points. And I think she was trying to show you that she had uh, used your technique. I think it's important about anything, whether you're tasting food or putting on an outfit or, you know, just trying to figure out how, what color to paint your living room. Right. And the reason that it's important is not because I think you have to have proof or evidence for something, but it's because you can't solve a problem unless you know what the problem is. Right. So it's like if you taste food and you don't like it, it's hard to be like, well, how do I fix that? If you taste something and it's too salty, you can fix that. You hope. Well, you hope. I don't know how you take salt out. Maybe that potato. was a bad example. Plain, a plain boiled potato will... Mm. Oh, helpful, some of the helpful salt out. tips from Eileen. I love it. Um, yeah, so again, like, and I tell this to people all the time about art making. If you make something and you don't like it, instead of just throwing gesso all over it or throwing it away, take a little time and try to figure out why, and then you'll probably help yourself improve your art. Hello, today is October 9th, 2015, and this is the first part of our uh, After the Move podcast. Hello. 
So it's 1249 in the morning and... Okay, so technically October 10th then, I suppose. What I was going to get at is these have been really, really long days and every night this old lady is completely pooped. So, <laughs> although, I, although we should tell people that this old lady happens to stay up till four in the morning pretty regularly. Yeah, but not lifting, moving, bending, carrying, <laughs> you know... So the physical labors get lying to in mom, bed is reading is just a whole lot different. That's true. Let's talk about uh, when you first got here, which was Monday night. Yeah. So this is Friday night or Saturday morning, however you want to think about it. And um, so Monday night I got here, I got off the train and you picked me up and we um, – Made plans for the morning and then the movers. So in the morning we went by the place and I had never seen it and you had never seen inside it either. And in fact, the guy who rented it to us had all, who was from the leasing company said they went in for the first time when they like repainted and stuff. Um, and so we signed all the paperwork and we got the keys and we went over and um, I was actually kind of upset at first because I had been uh, told that there was uh, laminate, which is close to hardwood, on the first floor of the place. And it turned out to be carpet, except for the kitchen. And I've actually never lived in a house with carpet. Um, and I knew the top floor was carpet, which was making me nervous because of paint and everything else. Um, so I was kind of pissy or not pissy but I was like oh, I was sad I guess pissy. about it you look sad pissy because I know because you said to me I was like oh I wish it wasn't carpet I must have said it 50 times because finally you said well it is so I guess you should stop that <laughs> in, in typical mom wisdom so um then the movers got there it was a long day of lots of moving you were great you bought everybody lunch you bought water you were very nice um and then uh, they left. And it was interesting because I actually, again, pissy, maybe pissy is the word of the day for Tuesday. Um, I had labeled everything in the apartment with signs because I knew they were coming to pack. So it would be like everything on this shelf goes here. every This shelf itself goes here, et cetera. So it all was labeled. Um, so it was a little bit annoying to me when I found that they would stop and ask me with every box because the boxes weren't particularly well labeled or bundle and be like, where does this go? So then I'm trying to identify what things are. Do you know what I mean? To tell them where they go because they hadn't labeled them. So that was annoying. And then I think I spent at least the next 48 hours um, using some strong expletives as I was starting to unpack, uh, those effing movers got said more than once as I found things that were not where they were supposed to be or are missing or whatever. I mean, in the end, it's all fine. It's somewhere. Yes. It's just, I felt, I, I felt resentful that I'd spent a lot of time labeling and paid a ton of money to people particularly because they said they were going to be hyper careful about it and i paid the bid for the company i used came in a lot higher well i'm gonna just tell you that yes that i'm whining and it's not okay all moves are very difficult and that given the moving uh given the type of things you have which is a million little things uh i think they did a pretty good job because I can tell you that I've had movers who did 
just awful things. These guys were careful. They were respectful. They were clean. They, they, I think they were cheerful. I thought they did a really good job and that, I hate to say it, you're being a little bit of a baby. I may be being a baby, but that's because the only reason my massive amount of stuff works for me is because I'm actually fairly hyper-organized. I understand that, and I think that's also how you got all that stuff into that apartment, and the sheer volume of things is stunning. And what we've discovered is, although you don't have much furniture because everything was on built-in shelves that you had made, and now it's kind of a roadblock to the unpacking because you haven't built the shelves yet yeah I mean that's the thing which is I uh, almost all my stuff is not furniture it's stuff and a lot of it's obviously art stuff or whatever but it's so so as we're unpacking it's it's a lot of well we can't unpack this or we can't get this until i've built the shelves and that that does create the the obviously the roadblock but we're well on our way to building the shelves and i think we've made wonderful progress and you know day 1 was just the unloading and then day 2 yes. you found the screw gun which was really yes. important. <laughs> Finding the screw gun was very important, and the toolbox in general was very important. But yeah, so on day, so after the move-in day, which was fine, I mean, listen, I have the incredible luxury of being able to stay at your house, which is where we're recording this right now, which is where I've been staying all week, so that I don't really have to have a functioning anything. It's just a great big mess, which is fine and is awesome. And, um, you know, I also have the great luxury of having you here, and Dad came and helped as well on um, Wednesday. And, you know, I think that's the thing, which is, I, I think I said to you at some point that I realized that doing all this stuff by yourself is actually really hard. Like, I was trying to um, build some things by myself, and I suddenly realized I needed an extra hand, and, you know or just carry stuff around or figure out how something works or like, you know, the cable guy's coming, but you need to run out for this or blah, blah, blah. It's just a lot of it's really hard to do by yourself. One of the things is that you always find you need three hands. I don't know why human beings weren't born with three arms. I feel like I would be a lot more productive if I had an extra yeah, hand. Absolutely. Or maybe I should train myself to use my feet. Like, you know, those people who lost their arms and they can do everything with their feet, which is amazing. I'm telling you, uh, when they say, you know, requires assembly, they should also say how many people are required to assemble. Well, actually, they do. Like, you oh. know that at Tejer we made together, it says on it uh, that they suggest that two adults uh-huh. make it. I will say, I thought it was, so I, there's this place near my new place called Ocean State Job Lots, which is like a bargain basement sort of place where they have like remnants and leftovers. So I, I needed something, you know, f- for the bathroom and I found an etagere, which is the fancy name for, uh, what did you keep calling it? It's an it? over toilet the cupboard? toilet uh, kind of Yes, your toilet hidey hole, I believe you kept calling it. Anyway, so <laughs> I found one at Ocean State Job Lots, which was like a make your own and it's like 30 $39.99 with all the pieces. And I was like, what a great deal. I don't have to spend $125 on this stupid thing. I'll just make it. And I believe halfway through the project, you said, if I had known this was going to take two hours, I would have eaten before. <laughs> I'll tell you, you got another great bargain there for the kitchen. Yeah. 
I did. I got a shelf that I also constructed, but it was much easier construction. Than it's one that. of those big stainless steel, you know, mm -hmm. fancy kitchen shelves, and it looks great. It does. It does. Oh. Anyway, so we're, we're we're. It's interesting because originally in my original plans, I had thought I'll put the studio together first because that way I'll have a working studio, you know, within a week and. In the end, I think that's actually going to end up being the last room that comes together. You have too many little bits, you know, pens and different tools and whatever. It's not the too many little bits at all. I mean, I think so there's two separate issues, which is one, um, when you have so so one is that there's a lot of stuff so there's a ton of boxes so the problem is in order to get the room set up you actually need to take all the boxes out of the room because the rooms just aren't large enough do you know what I mean to have that number of boxes in them and have you move around so you have to take everything out and then sort of lay out the room from there so there's a that's a bit of a roadblock so I have to that's the physical labor one of the things dad and I did is we took all the boxes out of one of the rooms upstairs um and put them all in the hall. So now I have a very dangerous wall of falling boxes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the second thing is that because of the carpet, which I know I need to protect, I've had to talk to some different people and get some different ideas for how to protect the carpet from paint. It's not like I plan to have a big spill, but even like little tiny flecks are bound to fall and I have it's white carpet and I don't want to, you know, be in a bad situation with that. So I think we finally have found a solution. Um, but it's going to take a little while to install, so that means that nothing can go into that room until that that's all done. So the studio sort of ends up getting shunted to the end of the to-do list. So, uh, so we're I guess uh, that's not where the focus is right now. Well, what's the th exercise that I have you do every night at the end of a day of unpacking? Yes. So every day at the end of the day, we've been saying like, what are the, what are the things that we managed to accomplish today? So that you're looking at the, instead of looking at the mountain yet left to climb, you're looking behind you to see how many miles you've climbed that day, which is always a good way, I think, to look at any problem or large task instead of focusing on how monumental, you know, the journey is ahead to be proud of what you have managed to do. And every day, there's a list of things that we've crossed off, things that have gotten done, you know. Um, I was even surprised when the cable guy came. My experience from having lived in big buildings in Manhattan is that when the cable guy comes, it takes him about 10 to 15 minutes. You know what I mean? It's really quick. They pretty much like stick in a cord, stick it in the back of your TV, et cetera, et cetera. This cable guy was there for like an hour and a half. At least. Two hours, maybe? I mean, yeah, he was there for a long time. He did a third time. He was great and very, very helpful. Um, but, you know, it was just, it was not what I was expecting, which was interesting. I do think also when everything you do is new, when you have to find where the supermarket is, when you have to figure out how to throw out the garbage, when Every single, there's n nothing in your day that you can kind of do on autopilot. It's very exhausting, even without the other physical stuff. Yes. Although I will say I've been, I've been rather surprised. I'm a completely terrible, flabby, out of shape person. And uh, I've been rather impressed with myself that actually I haven't woken up sore at all after all the, you know, lifting, carrying, installing shelves, etc. So, so there you go. I'm not 
not ready for the grave quite yet. And I've been amazed at your prowess with tools. Really, you you do know how to build. You know, that's one of those skills, and I was thinking about it, which is I actually, I think there's a, a big connection between power tools and crafting just in terms of construction of any kind. You know, um, I learned how to use a screw gun and a chop saw and all that kind of stuff through my theater background because we used to build sets, obviously. Um, and it's not a skill that I use often, but what I notice is the logic of how an object goes together is the same whether you're sort of screwing together a massive wall full of something or whether you're figuring out how to bind a book or how to make a paper box or anything like that. I feel like the logic of making stays the same. It, the tools may be slightly different, you know, but those ideas and principles are the same. And so it's even like, you know, when I would, you even said to me when we were putting together one of the shelving units, you were like, oh, I'm learning so much. And I was thinking, um, you know, oh, that's true. I never thought about it. But like, I just sort of, the logic is there, you know, of like, oh, it goes in this groove. If it's here, this has to go that way in order for it to work, et cetera, et cetera. See, here's what I like. You're not intimidated by looking at something physical and trying to figure it out no actually i find it exciting i it's stupid but that stupid share that we made yesterday that you know i was bound and determined was going to happen like i i enjoyed the puzzle of trying to figure out where the pieces fit together and i think that's the thing that keeps me going all the time i mean actually to a certain extent i know this sounds crazy but it's part of what i love about the scanning cut which is it's this thing, it is a kind of engineering question. It's a kind of paper engineering question, which is what is it that I'm sort of like thinking or imagining and then what's the next step of it? How does this logically come together? And then at the end, you end up with something that's so much greater, you know, than you thought your skills could take you to. So the same idea with, pre, this sounds bizarre, but the same idea with pre-assembled furniture, which are not pre-assembled, but like pre-cut furniture, which is, you know, the the doors are there and I'm screwing on the knobs and making the little magnet fastening part happen and I didn't have to manufacture any of those parts but when I put it together I feel like I've really actually like made something you know and the same thing is true which is I may be like cutting out little pieces or shapes out of paper or fabric or whatever and somehow when it comes together I feel like I've made something greater than I could have imagined. I mean, I think that happens too, like in sewing when you follow a pattern and suddenly from nothing you seem to have, it could be a stuffed animal, a pillow, a clutch, a shirt, whatever it is. All right. So maybe some of these skills are transferable. Well, yeah, but I also, it's not just like skills. And I think this is the thing that I learn over and over, which is it's, um, curiosity mixed with logic mixed with I don't know all those things that make learning and exploring fun yeah and observational skills to actually look at something which is related to this and is also related to I think drawing and visual art in that way because when you for example when you take a, a figure drawing class one of the things that you've said is over time you you've observed better you understand better what you're seeing. Yes. And, okay, so we went to this great lecture, or half of it was great. I liked one of the speakers more than the <laughs> other. 
<laughs> but we went to this lecture and one of the things this week the, in the middle of all yeah, this this week yeah. in the middle of all this it's it's important to get out of the house right uh <laughs> we went to this lecture and one of the things that was said that i thought was so brilliant is it's it was that that seeing is not um it's not about like take it's not remembering an image but it's about basically interpreting well it's about it know? was that when you when you're looking at something your brain is not receiving an image it's receiving information exactly and you're decoding that information and and i think just to relate it back to this whole idea of observing and thinking about how things go together and sketching and all that kind of stuff i think the more that you practice any of these skills i mean we all know that person who can look at a pile of wood and put it together into something amazing and it blows your mind but somebody else looks at you who can look at a pile of paper and put together a scrapbook page an art journal a card whatever it is like you're amazing too but that actually is not it's not a magic trick it's based in experience and I think that's the same thing about um, this about seeing, which is we get we are better at seeing things that we're trained to see. That's why they say like um, you know random street eyewitnesses have trouble you know remembering what a perp looks like, but a cop or somebody who's used to having to do that kind of thing is able much better to see those things. So we'll check back again. Maybe next week and see where you are. And I do think that you've made progress. And I think it's important to mark it because otherwise, at the end of every day, you feel that nothing has been done when, in fact, an enormous number of things have been done. Keep up the positive attitude, Julie. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, so we'll be back with some positivity, hopefully. Good. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Hey, so it's Monday, October 19th, and this is part two of our Moving In podcast. Hey, Mom. Hey, Julie. I can tell by the tone of your voice you're in a much better mood. I think the last time we talked on the podcast, you were kind of having a pity party. Uh, you're going to call it a pity party. I'm going to say I was actually very depressed for uh, a week and a half or so, which yeah. I think is, no. is normal. But I can honestly say coming sort of back out the other end, it's been almost two weeks uh, tomorrow will mark two weeks that I moved. And I think I was just sort of, I, I mean, I was depressed. I don't know how else to put it. I was depressed and, could, you know, when you're depressed, you're depressed. That's true. Well, so tell us what you've been doing since the last time we talked. So the house feels much more like a house now, which is great. Um, it's much more usable, which is happy making. Um, my I'm lucky enough to have two studios in this house, and I uh, neither studio is completely usable, meaning things are sort of still all over the place, but they're really close. In terms of unpacked boxes, I have very few, I think uh, maybe three or four, three or four, which is kind of impressive, completely like just like boxes that haven't been unpacked at all. Um, in the meantime, like every floor, every surface, every table is strewn with stuff. But, you know, I think that that could be any day in my life if you really think about it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And furthermore, I would say you've gotten some of the basic things done that had to happen before any putting away could be done, like building Alpha shelves that had to be screw gunned into the wall by you. 
and uh, buying and hauling more giant shelves and things and building more kind of press board furniture and containers. You really, you had no containers for things. I know. So now I have containers and it's exciting. And it, it is amazing, of course. It's it's like anything, though. Once you build the structure of anything, it starts to come together. I mean, if you've ever watched a house or a building being built, you know that it seems like it's a giant hole for, you know, six months. And then all of a sudden the house seems to go up overnight. And part of that is because, of course, it, like anything, foundation, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I mean, I think the same thing is true actually about creating artwork, too which is, it seems like, you know, you're slogging at it, you're pushing at it, it's really ugly, nothing's happening. But once you have the foundation, and you can sort of bring it to fruition pretty quickly. And in the meantime, you've managed to sneak in some interesting things that you've been doing a little bit. Yes, it turns out that you have an extraordinarily busy social calendar, and I've just been tagging along. So there's been lots of stuff to see. We went to see a show, a play, which was great. We went to a lecture. We've been to a little one-man performance. We've been to lots of events and uh, other things like that. So that's all been very good. But, you know, I think it's... um, I, I texted my friend Nat a picture of, she asked for a picture of progress, and and I said, um, you know, uh, she said, all you need now is to hang some Julie art, and it'll feel very, very Julie. And I think that's true, which is I've been waiting and waiting to hang the art because I want to make sure that everything's in the right place. But the thing that makes my home feel like my home to me is always going to be having my artwork up on the walls. And I think the other thing that's going to be interesting is over time, I mean, before I made a lot of art, I collected, you know, photographs and artwork and stuff like that. So I think I'm reaching the point now where I have to decide how much of other people's work I'm putting up and how much of my own work I'm putting up. That is always an interesting decision for you. And I noticed that over time in your New York apartment, the your art was crowding everything out. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I mean, listen, I'm proud of the things that I make and I think that's good. I think that's important, right? And it's, um, I think that creativity leads to more creativity. So having my stuff around me, I feel like influences me and gets me excited to make more. And sometimes, you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. And sometimes when I see other people's work, I find it inspiring and sometimes I find it dampening. It really depends what kind of mood I'm in. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. some days you're like, yeah, I want to paint like that. That's amazing. I want to do that. And some days you're like, that person's so much better than me and I will never get there and I suck. So I think you have to sort of find that balance. It's kind of like lately I've been on a little bit of an Instagram diet. I'm posting to Instagram, but I'm not consuming a lot of Instagram, partially because it was making me feel really bad about myself. I just felt like everybody else was so talented, so successful, so amazing, so beautiful, so happy. And I was like, wow. That is the point of Instagram, you know, (laughs) is to make everybody else think that your life is so great and that you have no problems and and, uh, you're presenting basically an ideal self that has nothing to do with reality. You know that. Well, and here I just thought Instagram was the point with sharing photos. <laughs> yeah. No. Wrong. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, it's been, it's again, no matter how much I threw away, I keep coming across stuff where I'm like, why did I keep this? You know, which is kind of an interesting thing, especially in the studios where I'm trying to find a place for everything. And I'm thinking, 
you know, why did I keep this? Now I have to find a place for it. So it's taking up valuable real estate. You know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting process because it makes me really consider what I'm actually using. And a friend of mine who's an artist came over the other day to help put together an Ikea bookshelf as what true friends great, do. What a great friend. Because if <laughs> she's a great doing friend. it, I'm not having to do it's it. It's true. You've been released from your monkey duty very briefly. Um, but um, one of the things that we were discussing is that um, it's, you know, it, it hurts so much when you've paid so much money for it or like you, you think you're going to get back to it or you went through a phase where you did a lot of encaustic and it's a ton of equipment and it was pricey and you don't want to get rid of it. And the question is, at a certain point, it be actually, it's not just that you're paying for that space, like financially, but also I feel like there's a guilt thing. Because right now, my friend is not creating a lot of art because she has a new full-time job and she's really busy with two kids and da-da-da and the whole thing. And I think her art stuff is making her feel guilty because every time she looks at it, she feels bad, like she's not living up to creating. And I think sometimes when I look at art things um, that I haven't completed, half-done projects, da-da-da, but I'm, that I'm just not interested anymore, they bring me a lot of guilt. And I think that's a horrible, horrible, horrible way to interact with something that should be lovely and exciting to you, you know? So I think part of what I've been doing in some of my purging is just getting rid of things that make me feel bad. You know, I spent a lot of money for this. Who cares? I got halfway through this. Who cares? Like, life is too short to feel that kind of guilt about stuff. Well, if it's time for true confessions, I used to feel I had to read every book that I started. And now if I don't like it, I'm not reading it. Yeah. Well, that's like I remember you told me once that um, you don't have to like read a whole magazine cover to cover. You can just like pick the articles that you want to read. Surprising. Well, yeah. <laughs> the it actually is not was. The boss of me. Well, <laughs> it you know, actually it, was. it goes back to something I think I've mentioned before, too. It's like buying a gym membership doesn't mean I'm going to the gym. And so having the art things around, the supplies or the half finished projects that you're not interested in anymore doesn't mean you're doing them. So get rid of pretending that you are. Yeah, well, you know, I also think it's kind of like, so I had, a, I mean, I've been a lot of sizes recently, so I had a lot of clothes from a lot of sizes, and even though I've purged, I still held on to a lot of stuff, and then I also bought some stuff when I wasn't sure, like, how to dress my new body, and I didn't necessarily love it, but, like, I had bought it, and one of the things I did in my closet purge is I got rid of a lot of the clothes that I just wasn't wearing, and the amazing thing is it's so much easier to get dressed. I feel better about myself. I can find things. I don't like go to my closet and feel it terrible. You know what I mean? Like I think anytime you can get rid of stuff that makes you feel bad, so much better. I mean, they even say it about people too, right? Like don't hang around with people who make you feel or, bad about or yourself. Toxic. Right. There are some people who for whatever reason are toxic to you. Then maybe you don't need to force yourself to be around them. Right. I mean, I think it's one of those things again and again. It's it's kind of like I, I run into people who say stuff to me like, oh, I think you're great, but I'm just not that into like scan and cut, you know, um, and I wish I could skip those posts on your blog or something like that. And I say, I totally understand. I feel see no reason why you have to read them. Just delete them, you know, when they come into your inbox or whatever. Um 
I, I'm never going to be a person who's like, you have to eat your vegetables. Like if there's something that's being pushed at you that you don't like, then you don't have to consume it. I mean, I hear that from people about stamp carving. I hear that from people about painting faces. I hear that from people about all sorts of things. You know yourself. I mean, yes, I think you should. Wow, mom, that's a lot of exciting computer noises happening over there. It's not me. I'm not doing me? anything. I'm not doing anything either. Are we being hacked wow. by the secret Russian mafia? I don't know. Anyway. Um, I don't do anything. Wow, I heard a lot of weird computer noises that I hope are not in the uh, recording. Anyway, regardless, what I'm saying is don't feel guilty. It's okay to like certain things and not like other things. I think it's okay to, you know, try new things. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. You don't have to eat persimmons if they're not your thing. Even if you could recognize one. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny is we went to dinner. This is totally tangential. It's nothing to do with art. But anyway, I, we went to dinner, a birthday dinner that I had. And one of my really good friends was there. And uh, we had asked if anybody had food allergies. And she, did, and she didn't say anything. And then they brought out a dish that had persimmons. And she, and she turns out she's allergic to persimmons. And she said she had never thought of saying that she was allergic to persimmons because she had never been served them in a restaurant in her entire life. Wow. I think it might have been my first time eating persimmons, too. I think I've had them before. And it's well, important well, you certainly to find had them, them when they're ripe. I was going to say, you certainly had them at the restaurant when I did. You were there. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> what that gets me to is, is there any kind of art making that you just know you'll never be interested in? Or are you always coming to everything with the idea that you might do it? I can tell you right up front, having tried encaustic once with you in a class, I don't like it. I don't like the smell. I don't like the, somehow, it doesn't appeal to me as a process. Yeah. I mean, th this is the thing. I feel like I have tried a lot of things and it's, a, and I would never say there's something I'm not willing to try. Of the things that I've tried, I don't love encaustic. The smell is crazy. I, um, I love the look of encaustic but and other people do it, but it doesn't necessarily work for me um i am not an enormous fan of knitting and crochet i love the things that people do in my hands it just looks terrible and i find it difficult and um stressful rather than relaxing um that said i have plenty of crochet hooks and knitting needles sitting around my house from when i did try those things um i i think that I think that I probably, I mean, I've done lamp working, which is like glass bead making and stuff like that. It was lots of fun, but the kind of setup you need for that is so extreme. I doubt that that will become an uh, uh, obsession of mine. The same with like glass fusing, which again, it's great to go visit someone who has a kiln and play around with that kind of stuff, but it's probably something I won't be doing at home. Um, I don't know. I mean, I weaving was looks great. I love the look of it. I will buy weaving, but damn that is hard and takes a long flipping time so again and i you know to get a loom and do the whole thing like you know i mean i, I think i've i have tried on all sorts of different art experiences just like you would clothes or styles or fashions or men depending who you are uh mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, your mother. Remember, <laughs> sorry. Okay, Shh. everybody, ignore that. Anyway, but uh, you know, I think it's it's 
it's uh, there are certain things that just stick, that just feel more you. I remember the first time I sewed, um, as you'll recall, what I asked for when I graduated from college was a sewing machine, which you were kind enough to gift me with. And the first time I sewed, I knew that it was right. I knew that it was a fit. It just, it, it, it was How wasn't... did you know it was right? I'm trying to think how to explain it. It's kind of like when you, you know how you meet somebody and immediately there's no silences. You can talk for four hours without pausing. You're laughing and it's like you've known each other forever. When I yeah. started sewing, and I have no sewing skills. I want to put that out there. Like I don't have any, I, my sewing skills are so poor, but it just, it made sense to me. The machine made sense to me. The way things worked made sense to me. I immediately had ideas and ideas for projects, things I wanted to do. Everything, I was, I was excited about everything, and the limiting factor was my skills, not what I wanted to do, hmm. if that makes sense. And so I find that I know that I'm kind of done with an art form or a craft form when I don't have ideas for it anymore when I sort of am not like oh because like for instance there used to be a time that I would you know dream endlessly about different kinds of scrapbook pages and scrapbook page designs and now I find I don't think about that as much I still like scrapbooking but I don't like dream and like constantly come up with ideas and have to pull out a sketchbook when I'm sitting at a bus stop you know um, to sketch that out. And I think, I think there are natural phases and evolutions in people's lives, but mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of where I am. Okay. Well, you'll have to make do with two studios <laughs> for now. Well, I have to tell you, every single person who has come by that uh, the apartment to help or do whatever, I mean, my dad said it and my friend who came by said it, like, is that they said, first of all, where the heck was all this stuff in your old apartment? How on earth did this all fit? Because this place, which is more than twice the size of my apartment, is filled. I think that's well, fair to say. Well, not only that, you threw away a lot of stuff before yes. you moved so there was even more stuff in your apartment yes so that's so that's one of the questions which is where the heck was all that stuff the answer is i am an amazing jenga style packer of stuff and so i have these two studios and yet they're both completely full to the gills of stuff and you're wondering where it all came from and i think the big change is that things are more accessible in these studios in my old space First of all, things were all over the house. Like, I think people didn't realize that in the bedroom, in the living room, in the front hall closet, in the studio, in the everywhere were art supplies. And now they're sort of all located in the same spot. Hmm. Um, I also think, like, a lot of things that were piled on top of each other in boxes. So, like, I could pull out a box and it would be full of, you know, paint and mediums. And I had to kind of sort through it to get what I want. Now that paint is all kind of nicely out so you can see it so it'll be easier to use and consume hopefully and i'll stop buying doubles of things well will you have the same rule that some people have about their clothes one thing in one thing out or <laughs> oh, sorry sorry <laughs> mom have you met me <laughs> and by the way who are those some people you have an entire <laughs> room that's your closet i don't even think that exists in our family well, not in our family. <laughs> I said some people. Some some good people. Anyway. 
Yes. So I feel good and I feel like um, I'd like to actually I'd like to do the third part of this podcast when I'm actually using the studios and I'm really moved in to sort of just talk about my expectations of what it was going to be versus what it actually turned out to be. Okay. And I will say there's one interesting thing, which is the first room that you really had to get in shape was the room where you keep your computer and all those kinds of things. So that's interesting that in order to reestablish your business, it wasn't that you real it wasn't your kitchen, it wasn't your bathroom. It you for you to be comfortable and feel like you could go forward, you really had to establish your whole uh internet setup. Yeah. It's and the office. I think that really speaks to your business and to how you spend an awful lot of your time. Uh, Yeah, I would not have a job if not for the computer and the internet. I would not have a job if not for that. And so that is the lifeblood to everything that I do. And there's only so much you can do on an iPad and an iPhone and you know what I mean? Well, you've already done one other podcast. You've done a, uh, what was that thing you did with? I did a little webinar with True Scrap. Right, Mm -hmm. and... Uh, you're about to return to blogging. That was yes. great that you had the guest bloggers. It's wonderful that they stepped forward to help you because I don't know how you would have done that. It saved me. It saved me. They're awesome. Friends are the best thing in the world to have. Anyway, let's wrap it up and uh, we'll see you uh, maybe in a couple of weeks. This is the third part of our podcast recorded on December 7th, 2015. Hello. Well, so now you've been here a while. You're totally moved into your new place. Yes. You've uh, sent out tentacles into the local art community. So let's hear about it. Well, uh, so I have a divided. First of all, I love having an office space. It's really great. And it's nice having it separate from the studio. And that's something that I started in my old place. Um, uh, Although in the old uh, apartment in New York, I had a desk in the living room, and now I actually have a little room that's the office, which is really nice. Um, And it does sort of keep me reminded of when I'm actually making art versus – I used to think I was in the studio 24-7, and I was, but I didn't realize how much of the work was computer work, and now I'm just much more conscious and trying to keep that balance pretty even. Right. Although that's like an ongoing struggle. That's that's a whole topic for another day, which is running a business and how little time you actually get to make art when you make art for a living. Uh, anyway, so my studio is a divided studio, and I divided it wet and dry. And that has taken some getting used to because there's some stuff that um, – Well, there's some stuff that sort of transcends the issue of wet and dry. And then there's also supplies that I probably just need to go ahead and buy a second one. So, for instance, like the other day I was gluing something into my art journal and I usually use my ATG for that. But my ATG was in the dry room because I had been working on some Project Life stuff. And that's what I use for like scrapbooking and all my adhesive stuff. And, you know, it's is it a huge deal to go back to the other room and get it? No, it's fine. Um, but I probably should just make my life a little easier and do that. And then, you know, there's some stuff like, so I've been carving stamps in my dry studio because it's a dry craft, but then I use a lot of those stamps in my art journal, which is in the wet 
studio. So there's some of that. And then also, I just haven't had enough experience or time in the studio yet to really know where I cleverly put everything. So luckily, I did label things, but I literally have to read the labels on all the drawers now to remember where I put stuff. And, you know, I've always said I'm messy, but I'm organized. So I can put anything, my hands on anything in my studio in 30 seconds. Well, that was true when I was used to the studio. Now it takes me a little bit longer to be like, I know it must be somewhere labeled like organization or it must be somewhere labeled, you know, paint supplies. I just have to find where that drawer is. As I've told you, once I renovated my kitchen, I kept going to non-existent places in the kitchen <laughs> looking for something. And I still, many years later, I'm still doing that occasionally. I'll think in my mind, oh, I need that thing. And then I'll go and there's there's no cabinet where there, where it's supposed to be. I feel that way about light switches too, which is like I don't understand what all the light switches do. <laughs> So I, cause I have one, I have one of those things where there are multiple switches for a single light. Like there's one at the top of the stairs, there's one at the bottom of the stairs, but it's like in a panel of switches and I just get confused as to what's happening. So all the lights go on and off. It's very exciting. This is exciting news. And I will just say this. I think sometimes it's because it's not important to us to figure it out. So we don't, you know, we feel that our minds are so full that this extra little bit of information is going to tip us over. It's just not worth our time, so we don't notice it. And yet other things that are really important, usually we get it right away. It's true. And I think that's, that's a subconscious true. choice a lot of times. It's the same yeah. as like... No, I agree. I often feel like when people say, I don't... Um, I don't have the time to do X, whatever it is, exercise, make art, you know, read that's always a choice. Do you know what I mean? Because things that you really, really have to do, you do manage to fit in. Like, do I, 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 sure, I can say I don't have the time to exercise. Could I jettison something else in my life in order to make that time? I certainly could. It's just, it's just not that important to me. At least you've revealed it. Well, I am going to yoga class tonight, but I don't really think of yoga as exercise. That's more like kind of like stretching. I like stretching. <laughs> I'm glad to know that, Mom. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I think the other thing that you said is like getting plugged into the local art community, and that's a really that's a really huge and important thing to do, so that you don't become isolated. And in a funny way, um, I think it's actually going to be easier to get plugged into the art community here because whenever I would go to events or things in New York, I felt like people weren't particularly interested in taking it. Um, to a friendship level, like saying, hey, we should hang out or, you know, let's get together and make something. And here I found that, like, I went to the Quilt Guild. They made a new friend at the – I mean, two new friends, actually, at the Quilt Guild. I already had a play date with one, and I have another play date coming up with another one. We're going to do some screen printing, which I'm excited about. And with the first one, I went to a craft fair. And, you know, I got a uh, – I also have some old, like – I have an old college friend who came out of the woodwork who's a knitter who introduced me to sort of a community of makers in the area. And I have some friends that I worked with at Cloth, Paper, Scissors magazine in the area. And we've gotten together and done some crafty stuff. And we have a crafternoon coming up. So I feel like I'm, fi I'm finding my people. And they're finding you. I think uh, when you – New York is just so huge and competitive and anonymous and everybody feels that in order to be worthy of their interest, you have to be at the very, very top of the food chain. 
It's like when you go went to exercise classes and you found that everybody in the exercise class was a Broadway dancer. So the bar was so high that it was intimidating. I think that happens in other areas in New York as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it'll be interesting. I'm going to my first. So I used to go to a lot of events at MoMA, as I've talked about on my blog a million times. That's the Museum of Modern Art in New York. So I recently joined the MFA, which is a Museum of Fine Arts here in Boston, which is obviously not the same thing because it's they have different missions anyway. But um, so I'm going to my first uh, Museum of Fine Arts event tomorrow night, which I will be a gallery talk, and I think it'll be sort of interesting to see who the crowd is because the MoMA crowd was always a very specific, vaguely unfriendly crowd, I would say. Like people really, you didn't talk to strangers, or at least nobody talked to me, so who, know, who knows? Maybe you're just more exactly, strange than anyone else. Exactly. Maybe it was me. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm wondering to see whether it'll be the same thing, whether people are friendly or sort of stick to themselves. At, at the very least, I hope the gallery talk will be interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How are you feeling post-move? Well, it's been very helpful to have you for things um, that ordinarily I would either do myself or lean on friends for. The other thing is that I uh, have enjoyed being able to have you pop in, have a quick meal, and then say goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And then for some things I'm not used to having help with, it's just been amazing. I I think it's uh, uh, also fun that I can now take more pictures of you for you to use. We always did that when I came to see you in New York, but uh, there are times when you need a picture that has to be taken by somebody else of you doing something. And uh, now I'm here. Yeah, it's true. That's one of the things for my blog and stuff. Often I'll want to have a picture of me actually doing the thing or like I have two hands involved. And so what I used to have to do is either set up timers and a tripod and a whole thing or I'd have to cajole if like a friend came was going to meet me for dinner. I'd be like, will you come to my apartment for 10 minutes and take a photo of me real quick? Um, and now, you know, now it's easy because you live a mile away and I can call you and say, hey, Will you come over and take some photos so that we can do this? It's the silly stuff that you need to do, but it's actually important. So um, we'll see how it goes. You're going to be going uh, back to New York for some things this week, and we'll see how it feels. Yeah, I'm going back to New York. I have a, I mean, speaking of our last podcast, I have a museum date with Natalie to go to MoMA. Um, and you know, we'll see how the city feels on a personal level, obviously, but I'm, I feel like, I feel like there's two things that have to necessarily influence my art in this new space. And one is obviously space, which is just having a lot more space. And two really is the quiet and the nature. I mean, this is, um, this is certainly not a rural area or anything. It's certainly an urban area but I mean I look out my window and I see trees instead of concrete and glass and I assume that that will eventually trickle into what I'm making you find the quiet creepy um you know I thought I would I find it more I don't find it creepy like when I'm in my house I'll tell you when I find it creepy which is 
I find it creepy when I'm walking down the street because I'm so used to there being so many people around that that's, I don't know, safety in numbers or something. So it's creepy to me when there's nobody around and I think this is when the murderer will get me. Wow. <laughs> there you go. I think you should never go I, that's out. That's clearly the solution. I have enough art supplies to last me a lifetime, so I'm sure I could just stay inside my house making things and it would be fine. That's the other interesting thing I was going to say, which is hanging art in my new place became a, I'm not going to say a test, like test is the wrong word, but it was kind of like um, a, uh, what value judgment, this is good enough to hang, this isn't good enough to hang, Hmm. you know, kind of thing. What are you going to do with the things that aren't good enough to handle? I don't know, actually. That's a big question. I mean, part of it is, and part of it is like, there's stuff that I thought was not good enough to hang in my old apartment, so it was on a shelf. And I, when I sort of rediscovered it and moving, now it's hanging because I love it. And so I don't know if it's because some of the pieces are too, like I've made them too recently, they're too close, and I don't, they weren't what I expected or if they're they are actually bad or I don't know what but I I also do know that I need to stop I mean I have so many canvases that I am just hanging on to and what I really need to do is I need to start selling my work and letting it go out into the world instead of just clinging to it well also you have been known to make things from old canvases yes Beyond just reusing them, make purses, for example. Yeah, and that's another fun thing to do. I don't know. I mean, part of the negative part about having more space is it's less necessary for me to recycle, upcycle, you know, shift things around because I have the space to just sort of store it. Dangerous, dangerous. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, sorry, what were you going to say before I started talking about hanging art? No, I just think that is the wonderful thing about moving as you review your possessions. It is the wonderful and horrible thing. And like last night I was making, I've been working on some Christmas ornaments, uh, painting Christmas ornaments, and I discovered I had had a box of styrofoam, which I had discarded in the move because I was like, oh, styrofoam is such a stupid thing to move. Why would I need to move like a box of styrofoam? But last night when I wanted to paint the ornaments and wanted a steady surface to be able to like pop them into because they're glass globes, a piece of styrofoam would have been really helpful. Wow. I know. Well, you, should, you should have asked me, because I also have a hoard of things. Yes. I, but what a disaster. You should always assume, is this something my mother would have saved, totally useless for that one day? Yes. And it would give her such pleasure. To pass it on. So do you have... To suddenly find that someone actually could well, use it. Well, do you have styrofoam bricks in your house? I, I'm going to immediately launch into a... There you go. I doubt you do. It's the, I, Because, like, why would you... I don't know why any... Why would you keep them? Why would I keep anything? Let's get uh, real. Fair point. I, I do have that now, too, with, like... You know, uh, I got rid of a lot of garbage hoard stuff in the move because I was like, I'm not moving garbage. I can get more garbage. The problem is I just don't have garbage right now. And I'm missing like my bubble wrap and, you know, all this funny stuff that it's like, I'm sure I will accumulate it. Of course I will accumulate it. It's just a matter of time. Rely on me for things like that. Come over to your house to borrow a toilet paper tube. I may even give wow. it to you. Wow. 
Exciting. So overall, so far, let's, we can conclude with this. Are you regretting in any way so far the move? Are you missing something or so far are we all right? Well, first of all, I'd say I'm very happy and I'm very happy with the move and I don't actually miss New York as much as I thought I would at all. And most of the things that I miss are either specific people who I miss seeing or it's um, factors of urban life which is to say, um, I don't live in Boston proper. I live outside of the city and I live in a place with a driveway and a car and that's more suburban, you know? And so urban living is about, I miss the sort of like walk out your door, pick up some dinner, you know, uh, stop by this place, blah, blah, blah. Like that kind of stuff that's really just convenient, easy. Walk over here, public transportation that runs 24-7, that's super easy. Like, for instance, this thing I'm going to, this um, art gallery talk tomorrow, you and I ha had a long conversation last night about it. Public transportation is kind of a nightmare to figure out how to get there. Parking also, trying to figure out how to drive and park there is kind of a nightmare. And like, that's just funny stuff that I feel like I never had to think about before. And taxis are more expensive here. But on the other hand, you know, I lament some of those things, but I love having the grocery store with the big aisles and the big selection. And I like having a car, which my friend Riv described as the biggest purse in the world. So it just holds all your stuff, which is kind of an awesome way of thinking about it. Um, so it's like, I think I miss some of the urban living stuff, but on the other hand, there's plenty of stuff about urban living that I hated that I don't miss. And there's also stuff I got used to about urban living, like, um, that you, that you order everything from Amazon or Dick Blick or whatever online because you just, it's a pain to carry it. It's a pain to find it. It's a more expensive to do it that way. And the other day, I think I told you this, I went to Target and I was just, first of all, I was in heaven. I don't know how anybody who lives near a Target has any money because <laughs> it's really hard. And then I, uh, as I was saying to you, like you go in there and everything's $14.99 until you get to the checkout and all that $14.99 sort of adds up. Um, but I found so many things to make things out of. I was like, oh my God, I could use this for a craft project. Oh my God, I could use this for an art project. Oh my God, I could use this. I could use this. I could use this. I could use this. And it was like a, I don't know, it's like a fantasy land of fun stuff. It's like, there was simple stuff. Like I searched and searched all over Amazon for plain ceramic plates because I wanted to paint, um, use some of the PBO porcelain paint to paint some ceramic plates and like I never really found what I was looking for on Amazon it was so hard to judge like size and da 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 and then I walked into Target and there's an entire aisle of plain ceramic plates bowls like platters and I was like why is this life is so easy life is so easy I eagerly await the results of your hunting and gathering. I'm so glad. You sound very enthused, Mom. I'm sure I'm sure you'll appreciate getting a handmade gift. This came from Target plus a little bit of me. I still have some of those handmade gifts. I still, I bet I have one of those pot holders somewhere and I have little ceramic oddities that you made. I think, I think right most now, of those my, ceramic oddities were actually made by Matthew, to be fair. I think you're disavowing <laughs> your early ceramic <laughs> talent. Right now, my coffee cup is resting on a tile, a painted tile that you made in, what is it, first grade? 
which I love. Yeah, I remember you used to sign me up all the time. There was one like after school class I always had to take and it was the art one. And because it's funny because people always say I always tell people that I never thought I was an artist and I never thought I was particularly artistic. And that's a truth about myself that I've always felt is true. But when I look back, I realize how often you signed me up for like little kid after school art classes. Or I remember we used to get those art projects in the mail that would come where they would come with instructions and supplies. Once a month. Yeah, and you right. make things or I remember you know every restaurant it was coloring placemats and even as a like in high school and stuff I remember just like drawing on paper tablecloths and restaurants in fact I remember when we once went to a restaurant and found my placemat on the wall the next time we came back uh I also remember that you used to sew tons of little doll clothes for your Cabbage Patch doll. Yeah, I used to do a ton of hand sewing. And then there was a period of time I went through where I made those little stocking dolls. Those mm -hmm. are fun. I should make some grown-up versions of those. I'm sure I have some tights with runs in them that could be repurposed. So without noticing it. You were always interested in arts and crafts and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I guess I just never saw myself as being, um, I mean, here's the thing. When I was in school, like, I knew that I did well in school because I got A's and teachers told me I was smart and I was always in, like, you know, the highest reading group and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. So you sort of, you know, you sort of figure out, oh, this is what I'm good at. But no one ever said to me, you're good at art. And in fact, there were lots of kids I knew who were good at art and what I meant by that is they're the ones who could draw, like they could draw realistic pictures of things and they wanted to go to art school and they were very, you know, accomplished. And so I think I just assumed, well, I was good at sort of academic things, so I needed to go in that direction and I wasn't good at this thing. I was just reading an article about Jackson Pollock and about the fact that he couldn't draw. Well, there you, I mean, when you look at his paintings... <laughs> If you can't draw exactly. a drip. If you can't draw a drip. Well, it's an interesting thing because this is, and this is, I think, where modern art gets a little dangerous, which is Picasso for is a great example of someone who could draw photorealistically, right? When you look at his early work, I mean, he's a st has a stunning ability to, you know, make completely realistic sort of Goya-esque oil paintings if he wanted. But he chose to make different decisions. And so I think he gets a lot of respect for his paintings and his choices because people felt like he had the ability to do something else, but he made these choices, right? And then if you look at Jackson Pollock, who, you know, or there are other artists who were not particularly good drawers realistic drawers let's put it that way um people tend to sort of poop on them and say that well then it wasn't a choice he was just you know doing the best that he could or whatever and i i think like i think that's dangerous because i think it's still a choice because drawing is a skill that you can develop and so if you choose not to develop that skill but to go in another direction that's still a valid choice does that make sense yes but i also wonder if the purpose of contemporary art has shifted a little bit and the purpose is not necessarily to illustrate something that your eye sees it's to illustrate an idea to convey in a visual form which may be paint but it may be video or it may be something else an idea or a feeling uh so that doesn't always require 
a recognizable image. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think like that's the thing about when photography really came into common use. There was no need to have paintings to, you know, memorialize things because photographs did it better. So it's like painting and art and visual art had to move into a, well, what is the point of it then kind of realm. Although photographs don't always tell the truth either. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Everything is manipulated in some way, either by the machine or by the hand of the artist. And I think people sometimes misunderstand and they think that because it's in a photograph, it tells the truth. But, well, hello, uh, witness Instagram or Facebook or anything else where people post pictures of their happy lives. And it's like, well, that photograph isn't necessarily the truth of what it is. You know, my, I even think sometimes... I'm, I mean, I'll confessional time, like I'm able to photograph a project that doesn't look great in person, but I can photograph it in a way and with enough props that like it looks much better in the photo than it does in person. You know, I think that there's lots of stuff like that where uh, photographs do lie. You can you, you you there is much an artistic medium to use uh, from your point of view as anything else, even if it's showing the neat corner of your house as opposed to the very messy other six corners. Thank you for that. <laughs> there you go. I'm, you're welcome. I hope you feel cleansed. I do. Now. I do. Will you absolve me of my sins, mother? I there do. you go. I always Thank do. you. Because I'm it's your mother. True. That's true. Okay, well, on that note, which is not really related to moving at all, but we just like to chit-chat, and uh, I think we should probably wrap up. So uh, thank you so much for listening, and we do hope that you will leave us some listener mail because we love to hear your opinion and read it on air and all that kind of stuff. And as always, you can find me at ballsdesigns.typepad.com. And do leave us your comments or questions at ballsdesigns.com backslash arting. We'd love to hear from you. If you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag artingpodcast. That's A-R-T-I-N-G P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs>